We are the family of God Striving to be what we are People of more Ready to receive our King blessing Oh, oh, oh Christ our Lord We are people of more And the lost we stole Oh, 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 yeah For Christ our Lord Tell everyone we are people of more Say, oh, oh, yeah Oh, we are people of more Tell them we're gonna learn more We grow stronger We stronger than we did before good to be here. It is good to be able to uh, meet some of you. I, um, it's my first time here, so I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity. And as our brother uh, Chris uh, mentioned it, uh, uh, I was uh, recommended by brother Robert, okay? So if there's any complaints, go to Robert, okay? <laughs> it is good to be here. I have a couple uh, members of my family here with me, my aunt, and my uncle here today, and I'm thankful for them. I would like uh, for you to keep them in your prayers uh, as they need the prayers, and so uh, we can, I guess, uh, provide names after afterwards. But again, it's a uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be here, and uh, we will speak today. We're going to be talking about the blessings of the cross. By the way, beautiful song, and uh, that, that's a, a great way to get a get a preacher fired up. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for leading the song, brother. There's so much we can say about the blessings that we enjoy through the cross of Jesus Christ. It is my uh, purpose uh, today that as we uh, talk about these blessings, that we may realize how blessed we are. Those of us, uh, those of us who are Christians, but at the same time, those of you who have not obeyed the gospel, that you may be encouraged to do so today. 
So that's uh, that's what we want to uh, we'd like to do today. I'd like to read a poem that was uh, written by one of my dear teachers in uh, regards to the cross of Christ. And this is what he wrote. It was the most tragic event in the history, yet it was the most wonderful thing that ever happened. It was the saddest spectacle mankind ever beheld, yet by it came the greatest joy. The old rugged cross was Satan's greatest victory, yet by the cross Satan suffered his most stunning defeat. The cross was the greatest exhibition of divine justice, yet it was the most wonderful demonstration of divine mercy. It was through the cross that God condemned sin, yet by it forgave the sinner. The cross stands for God's hatred of sin, yet it was the greatest proof of his love for the sinner. The cross was mankind's darkest hour, yet it was the greatest of all lights, the cross. The cross for Jesus represented the pain, the agony, the suffering, but to the Christian represents the most wonderful source of blessings. And so today we're going to be talking about some of those blessings. As you know, preachers don't like alliteration, right? So we're going to be using some uh, alliteration, a little alliteration today. Some words that start with the letter R. The first one we're going to use is remission of sins. Number two, we're going to be talking about reconciliation, R again. And then the third one is going to be redemption. First one we're going to be talking about is the remission of sins. Now, uh, it is a wonderful blessing to be forgiven of our sins. What are we talking about when we talk about remission? And I'm, uh, I'm going to get a little technical here, maybe not. I'm going to try not to. But remission means a dismissal, a release according to Bynes Dictionary. Uh, it also, Strong's Dictionary, Dictionary tells us that remission means freedom. And it means uh, pardon, deliverance, forgiveness, liberty. Remission. And so when we're talking about remission of sins, we're talking about freedom. We have been freed from sin. And we know that according to the scriptures that we all have sinned. You know the word sin. The sin, uh, word sin comes from the Greek word hamartia, which basically means a failing to hit the mark, a bad action, an evil deed. And who can honestly say today that you have not sinned? We all sin. That's our problem. And God knew that and he took care of that problem. And uh, a sin also means that which is wrong, committed or resultant of sin, an offense, a violation of divine law. That's what Thayer's uh, lexicon tells us. Now, if we go to First John chapter 3, verse 4, it gives us a definition. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. Now the remission of sins. It's the total payment. It's the total payment of a debt which results in its cancellation. Now once again, one of my um, uh, dear uh, teachers wrote something in regards to remission. And this is what it said. God being who he is. Sin being what it is. 
man, being the sinner he is, someone who was qualified had to do for man that he that which he could do not which he could not do for himself. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the fact that we serve a holy God. We serve a holy God. And when I think about this, it is just it just uh, it just boggles my mind. How can we approach a holy God? When I look at myself and I see all my shortcomings, how can I how can I approach a holy God? You know, First Peter chapter one verse sixteen tells us that we shall be holy, for I am holy. God is a holy God. Remember in Isaiah chapter six verse three. Uh, we read, holy, holy, holy is Jehovah of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's what we read in, in the book uh, of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Why? Because God is a holy God. We cannot stress long enough and often how is it that God is holy? We need to always remember that in everything we do. Now, we remember our condition as sinners. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 tells us, For there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. That's just not possible. We all sin. And that's that's our problem. And, and you know, so many times we... Uh, we may feel, we may feel like, uh, how can I approach God? I, I, I'm, I'm a sinner. I, if God only knew, uh, if you only knew how much I have sinned. You know, sometimes we feel so unworthy. And sometimes we feel like, well, can, can God really forgive me? I, I've done this, all these many things. I've heard so many people. How can I be forgiven by a holy God? Well, let me tell you something. We're all sinners. And we all have this problem. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 tells, tells us there is not just, not one. And Romans chapter 3 verse 23, you know it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We needed, we desperately needed a Savior to pay the debt we could not pay. The forgiveness of sin is certainly... The greatest need of uh, of mankind, and we we can all agree on this. Now I want to read something that you have you have probably read and came across too. But this is this is uh, this paragraph says: If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If, great, if our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a, favor, a Savior. Are we glad we have a Savior? Are we glad that we can be uh, forgiven of our sins and they can be taken care of? You know, in the Old Testament, we read that... Uh, the blood of lambs could not take away our sin permanently. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 tells us, For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats 
to take away, could take away sins. The perfect lamb was Jesus. Remember those words that John the baptizer said in John chapter 1, verse 29? Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. We needed remission of our sins. Remember what Jesus said when he uh, established the Lord's Supper in uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is shed for the remission of sins. So that's what we remember. That's what we do when we uh, partake of the Lord's Supper. The remission of sins. You know, back in the Old Testament, people had to go continually go back and make sacrifices to be forgiven of their sins. John talks about a perfect sacrifice, which is Jesus, which takes away that sin of the whole world. And it was just that once and for all, because he is perfect. And that's what we needed. The remission of sins resides in the cross of Christ. So that's why we're talking about the blessings of the cross. We can be forgiven of our sins. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, and our brother read the beautiful scripture this morning and as, a, as I was uh, listening, man, I could see Paul really fired up when he was writing this scripture. Because uh, it, it is a, a wonderful blessing that we can be all in Christ. You know, uh, we worship in different congregations. We, we, uh, my color is different than yours, but we're all one in Christ. You know, we, we speak a different language maybe, but we're all one in Christ. And he makes this possible through his cross. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14 tells us, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now, scripture after scripture tells us the blessing we have of being forgiven of our sins. Galatians chapter 5, Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become righteousness of God in him. You can also remember First Peter chapter 2 verse 24. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, for whose stripes you were healed. Brethren, we have been forgiven of our sins. And we need to be thankful for that. But not only have we been forgiven of our sins, but we also enjoy, number two, reconciliation. Now, I don't, know, I don't know about you, but I don't like to have enemies. I, don't, I like to make everybody more my friend. I want to do everything possible to make everybody my friend. I, I want to go out of, of my way to take the extra step and to run the extra miles so that I can be friendly to everyone. But I surely don't want to be an enemy to God. The Bible tells us that if we do not obey the gospel, we are in the condition of enmity with God. And we need to take care of that. And there is a way to take care of that. And the cross of Christ is how we take care of that. 
You know, brethren, we live in a world of broken relationships. Now, how many families have been destroyed because of poor attitudes? Why is it that we have to go to war? Why can we all get along? We need to be reconciled. You know, we don't enjoy an obedient personal relationship with God. And we cannot experience the possible, you know, that, that, that relationship with our fellow man. So if you ask yourself, why? Why is it that there's so many problems in our society? And the first uh, reason that we find in the scriptures is because men are not at peace with God. If we, we're not at peace with God, we can't be at peace with each other. We need to be at peace with God. And we can be reconciled through Jesus Christ. You know, we see so many problems nowadays. And so, and we rightly say, you know, they need Jesus in their lives. Our world needs more Jesus. And we need to shine the light of Jesus in our world. Now, this problem is just a symptom of the real problem. Our relationship is not right with God. And so we need to make things right with God. Men without God are described as enemies, sinners, weak, ungodly, strangers, and aliens. You know, man has the problem, you know, of having this relationship problems. We need Jesus. We needed someone to reconcile us, not only to God, but we can be reconciled with our fellow man. You know, I am thankful for this opportunity, and I'm thankful to be able to meet you and, and to know that my brothers and sisters worship in this congregation and, and that you guys are doing your best to serve Jesus in this community. And that's a wonderful, wonderful experience. You know, this is possible because of Jesus. We can be one because he reconciled us to God and with each other. Now, but we need to stress the fact that because of man's willful service to sin, Romans chapter 6, verse 16 through 20, his continual participation in evil, Colossians 1, 22, man's unrighteousness, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, and his willingness to refuse honoring God and honoring other gods, you know, there is a need for reconciliation. We need God. We need Jesus to reconciliate us to God and with our fellow men. But what would it mean to be reconciled? Well, just defining the word itself, Webster defines reconciliation to restore to friendship or harmony, to become reconciled. Now, there's another dictionary too that des describes this word to make or become friendly again after an arrangement. You know, this word, if we talk a little bit of, uh, of the ancient world, for the Romans, this word meant uh, referred to conciliation of two or more differing viewpoints expressed in the Roman forum. For the Greeks, it described monetary exchange. 
To be reconciled, according to the scriptures, means to restore a relationship with God because we all have sinned. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. So we needed Jesus and his cross to be reconciled. Because of God's hatred of sin, we cannot stress that enough. And as a result, we become separated from his presence. You all know Isaiah chapter 51, verse 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that we will not hear. So brethren, yes, we are sinners. God is holy. And we can be and we can approach God because of Jesus Christ, because of his cross, because we can be reconciled to God and with our fellow man through his cross. And that's a wonderful blessing. Now, if we go to uh, if you take your Bibles and go to with me to Ephesians chapter two, verse 12, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter two and we're going to be looking at verse 12 through 17. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke down that barrier of, uh, of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments containing ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to, to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, who were far off away, and peace to those who were near. That's because of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can be reconciled to God. We can also be reconciled to our fellow man. You know, when we took that step to obey the gospel. We were reconciled and we were made from enemy to a friend. That's what we read in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 10. From war to peace. Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. From alienation to uh, closeness with God. From hell to full access of God through Jesus Christ, from strife to a full harmony and relationship in Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 2, verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 22. But you know, that reconciliation was possible through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Because uh, Jesus is our high priest. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. And because of the death of Christ, Romans 5, verse 10, 
without the death of Christ and his cross, we could not be reconciled. So that's why Jesus had to die. We read about Jesus praying to God. And you know, he didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to endure that pain. He knew it was necessary. And we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and following, tells us that there's a reason why he did it, because he was thinking about you and me. And that is why he endured the cross. He shed his blood. We are reconciled to God. Because of Jesus. Stories told of a little boy we call little Johnny. His uh, parents divorced. He was having a rough time. One day they learned that he became sick, really sick. And so the parents came together to do everything in their power, to do everything they could to make him to, to, to make him feel better, and they started having a relationship again. One day, he was in the hospital, and he was about to die. He took his uh, mother's hand on one side, he took his father's hand on the other side, and he asked that they continue to be in this relationship. He said, my job, job on earth is done. That's what God does through Jesus Christ. We are reconciled because of his work, because of his sacrifice. Number three, we have redemption. Redemption. What does that mean? Why does Paul use all these words but they have a meaning. Redemption defined comes from the Greek word exagorazo, which is a strengthened form of agorazo, which just means to buy. Purchasing a slave for freedom, for his freedom. The English word redemption comes from the Old Testament word, and the Greek word prior to Jesus and from the Roman world, Jesus' day. And we use that word, we don't, I guess we don't use it as often. We read it in the scriptures, we read it in the New Testament, and sometimes we wonder what it means. But this is what they meant when the Hebrews heard this word, the word redemption, they thought about deliverance from Egypt. That's what they thought about. They also thought about the firstborn of men and animals who belonged to God and they were, re they were redeemed. They had to pay a price because they belonged to God. The Romans thought of a soldier being redeemed for the remainder of his duties, free and a slave. For the Greeks, they thought about ransoming, a ransoming of war hostages, or the payoff for someone that was being accused of a crime. And so this is what this word entails when Paul uses it in the New Testament. So it gives us some basic ideas. Number one, to buy something back that was forfeited by failure or inability to pay. 
You all had that problem before, right? <laughs> to liberate or set free those either ruled by a higher authority or held captives by a stronger force. To deliver or remove from grave danger and dire circumstances. To ransom one with the crime. And that's what Jesus did for us. We don't have to pay the debt. He paid it all. We were charged with the crime, and but we're free because of him. He paid the price. Feels good when someone else pays. Sure does. Jesus paid for it. And it's free salvation to all because of him. Redemption means freedom. Freedom throughout the centuries have been has been something that we cry for, something that we pray for, something that we fight for. Freedom. But spiritual freedom comes through Jesus Christ only. You may ask yourself, freedom from what? We've been talking about sin, right? We are free from sin. Romans chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. Freedom. From an empty, meaningless life. Brethren, we have a purpose. We have a purpose. We've been, think, we, we've been singing about heaven. It's, and it's beautiful to sing about heaven, to think about heaven, and to look forward to heaven. I don't know about you, but I look forward to heaven. This world is not my home. <laughs> and we, we as we, as we go to, through struggles and problems in our lives, it reminds us. This is not our home. We're looking for something better. Life is hard. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it gets really tough. The battle gets tough. And, you know, sometimes people see us as preachers, you know, they're superhumans. We're not. We struggle too. Sometimes it's hard. Battle gets hard, brethren. But we have Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But with the precious blood of Christ as of the, as of the Lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. But was manifest in these days, this last time for you. Redemption is possible. And it comes from God. Luke chapter 1 verse 68. It is through Christ. Matthew chapter 20 verse 28. And it is through the blood of Christ. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. The result of redemption is justification. Oh, there's one of those words. Another word, right? Paul uses. But he has a meaning. Justification. You heard that definition, simple definition. Just as if I never sinned. That's how we stand before God 
because of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Then again, we have the forgiveness of sins. Ephesians 1, 7. We have been adopted as children of God. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. And we have been purified because of Jesus. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Brethren, we are blessed because of the cross of Christ. The story is told of a little boy. You know, our generation don't know much about this anymore. You know, they know about video games and they know the internet and they know... <laughs> But the story is all about a little boy who built a little boat. And he attached a little string to it. He will go to the river and watch his uh, little boat sail on, on the river. And one day, a current came, and there, he, and there he goes. The little boat just goes far and far, and he tried to do everything he could do to catch the little boat. He went home crying because he lost his little boat and he couldn't get it. After a certain time, he was uh, walking around town with his dad and he saw a pawn shop. And there he was, his little boat. He saw it. Immediately he goes in there and he says, well, uh, I'm interested in that little boat. How much is it? And so the man gave him the prize and he went to his his house and got all his savings, uh, broke his little piggy bank and goes to the pawn shop and gets that little boat. He takes that little boat in his hand and he says, Now you are mine now twice. First, I built you. Now I have bought you back. That's what God does with us. He made us. He bought us back. So we belong to Him because of Jesus. Brethren, are we glad we're blessed in Jesus Christ and His cross? Aren't you thankful? Yes, we are. Brethren, sometimes, as I mentioned before, life gets tough. Always remember how blessed we are to be a Christian because of the cross of Christ. I ask you today, if you need to make things right with God, please do so before we leave our assembly today. If you have not obeyed the gospel, please take advantage of these blessings we have. Through Jesus. He's making all of this available to you today. If you submit to his will. And obey the gospel. You heard the gospel. You need to hear the gospel. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. You need to believe in Jesus. John chapter 8 verse 24. He said if you don't believe in me. You will die in your sins. You need to repent. Make things right with God. Luke chapter 13 verse 3. You need to confess Jesus as Lord. Acts chapter 8 verse 36. You need to be baptized for the remission of your sins. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. The Lord's invitation is open 
for all of us today. And if you need to respond, please do so. And I believe we have a song that has been prepared so that you may be encouraged today to obey His will. May God bless you, brethren. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, and my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon.